Welcome to Troubleshooting Agile, a regular problem-solving session for Agile teams. Welcome back, everybody. So we're on to, I think now, uh, principle number eight which is Agile Processes Promote Sustainable Development. The sponsors, developers, and users should be able to maintain a constant pace indefinitely. What do you think about this one, Jeffrey? Well, I think this is very interesting to me because I think of all of the Agile processes, this is the one that's probably easiest for people to argue with um, and then entirely miss the, the point and, and the need behind it. Yep. And I, and I think that the what's troubling for people is this idea of constant pace because it just argues against their first-person experience. They say, look, there's no way uh, we can or should have constant pace. There's there's things come up uh, and, uh, you know, even it's just there's some days are good, some days are bad. What, how could we possibly have constant pace? It just seems both uh, Im impossible and pointless, uh, if, if not only because of our daily fluctuations, but because of outside demands. That Absolutely. Uh, we were just getting a question from one of our listeners about exactly that topic. How could, what, should we have a constant pace? Shouldn't things vary? Isn't variation normal and good? Yeah, and I think there's an, a lot of classic cases that people bring up where they say, um, you know, this isn't this isn't normal. We you know we have a big uh, say marketing demo <clears throat> next week. We're going to be at a, a trade show, and we we have to have this this feature ready for demo, where there's no value because the the, the the trade show isn't going to be postponed because we're not ready. And, I and every year at the e-commerce company I was CTO for, we would write to Santa Claus and we would say, "Dear Santa, could we please have Christmas on the twenty seventh, even the twenty sixth? Could we just could we just move it a bit?" That, that extra and day. And strangely, he, <laughs> yeah, just the one extra day that would be fine. And he never moved it. Yeah, uh, and, and so and when, when you have these these uh, sort of objective real world demands, it seems like well, you know, constant pace is great in theory, but we're going to have we're always going to have these extrinsic factors that drive us and therefore this principle is is, is garbage but I and I think as, as, as solid and common as these are you have an even uh, a better example probably the most extreme one I've ever heard indeed I can I can push it as far as it possibly can be pushed because uh, in a particular company that I was working in we had a very hard dependency on an external supplier think of a situation where this supplier, of a particular service controls completely whether you have access to your market at all. So um, that was our situation. We could not run our business at all if this supplier did not supply us. Now, of course, we had lots of nice contracts and things that said, you must keep supplying us. We wouldn't have entered the business if that weren't true. But in the startup world, you're often the, the tiny, tiny minnow with the giant shark near you. And this was this supplier. And this supplier for some externally uh, motivated reasons having to do with press coverage of our startup said, you must build feature X. You must build this feature that will address this upcoming press nightmare that I'm going to encounter. And if you do not build this feature by five o'clock tomorrow, tomorrow being Friday, they were telling us this on, on the Thursday, we will shut down our supply to you. And we all knew that meant that we would be on the street on Monday if we did not complete that feature. So guess what we did, Jeffrey? I'm guessing you went back and said, well, I, you know, we'd like to oblige, but we try to maintain a constant pace and uh, our practices won't allow us to do that because we're, we're agile and this is what agile means is to be inflexible. 
Uh, no, we didn't do that because we knew it wouldn't work. But oh. um, it, it, it was it would have been a great idea. And in fact, what we did is we got an awful lot of Coke Zero, which was our, our head of development's favorite drink, and uh, worked through the night to get the feature ready. And in fact, it was done at 4.45 on Friday. So that was a case where we had to do it. And 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 the 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 response I gave, of course, hopefully people understand that that's the uh, uh, straw man version of agile. That there's nothing in agile or this principle that says that there's no room for judgment. That uh, you know, if you look at cost of delay, if there's a sharp cost of delay curve, that you can't adjust what you're doing. What this really is about is about what's uh, what's normal. And and it says, you know, you, of course you can have exceptions. That's the world, and you're not gonna you're not gonna try to change the world. But exceptions should be exceptional that they, they shouldn't be standard. And the problem is that it's very easy to look at these examples and say, well, actually, this should be normal. It would be, it would be helpful if it were normal. And that's an example of this common notion of uh, normalization of deviance, that when something becomes a habitual, uh, frequently observed pattern, and it's praised, and it has a name, and so on, people tend to say, oh, this is just the normal way that things are, when someone from the outside might look at it and say, this isn't normal at all. Yeah, yeah. The example I was... Go ahead. But see, I've seen you know, the, the idea of, of crunch time, where well, this is you know we we we've got to get down, and we have this sort of key thing, like and and this is our our peak performance, and we're all excited about it, and uh, that that's that sounds exactly. It even has a name; it's commonly known. Yeah. Uh, it's known in the games industry and finance and lots of places. People talk about crunch time, and this is our time to shine and perform really well. So of course it's normal. Of course this is the thing that we do all the time. And that's the danger. Yeah, and it, it's where, where you went from something that was an, an exception to say, well, this is normal. And th there's there's lots of problems with this, but I think primarily is the fact that it, it doesn't work uh, in in the long run. That's the, that's yeah. the, the primary uh, argument against it. Exactly, and I actually have an example from this exact same company in a very different situation. And in fact, this company did not draw the conclusion from that single instance that getting a lot of Coke Zero and having everyone stay up all night was a good practice. So we didn't do that, thank heavens. But there was actually a manager at this company who is one of the very few people who's explicitly made this case to me, although I think a lot of people have this implicit belief. And this manager said, well, my belief is that if my team tell me they can do four things, sell four clients or build four features or something like that, then my reaction to that is to ask for 10. Because my hypothesis is maybe they'll do six. And that's an improvement over the four they thought they, they could do. What do you think about that, Jeffrey? Uh, I, I think people who, who, who believe those things probably have watched too many movies and have not been paying enough attention to real life. That's it, it's right. it's the kind of thing that you you see in in a in a movie or a book. It's very dramatic. It sounds good. It's very heroic, but um, it doesn't it doesn't work out in practice. Not you know short term for like in this issue of an exception, a, a, a traumatic moment. You might be able to you know have people come together and 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 come through it. But it's simply it's just simply not the norm. But it, of course in movies that's that's standard. That's what every movie you know has, revolves around these sort of dramatic. Uh, moments, which uh, make them a very poor model for real life. Well, it's funny you should say that, because in fact, this manager did at one point have his team watch an actual movie clip as a motivational technique. And this movie clip, which we'll link in the show notes, is to a speech by Al Pacino in the movie Any Given Sunday. And it's known as the inch by inch speech. And he talks all about how at this 
American football match. They're going to need to struggle and strain and work hard together and really go for that extra inch. And everyone will have to go for the extra inch and try really hard and get to the extra performance. And and you 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 made the 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 leap from this into you know sort of a theory X model, which is uh, you know of course we we talked about theory X back in uh, episode seven when we talked about principle number five about motivated individuals, and you said that sort of exactly. th- this sounds a lot like theory X, where people need to be pushed that that they they won't work hard unless you're forced to. So you you know you need the manager there looking over them, you need them giving inspirational speeches and saying, look, this is what what we demand of you, this is what we need to survive, and it's that pressure that gets people to perform. Exactly. And we made the same point back then that in episode seven, that this was kind of a dramatic movie motivated principle. It didn't uh, idea, the theory X model that it, it doesn't actually work. And, 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 and I think one of the reasons it doesn't work is because it actually misses the, the way that people behave. And one is that uh, if we have a, a, the proper environment, they should be you know, more, I think theory Y works, which is that people actually are motivated. And for me, the value of this principle, when I, when I read it, the very first that comes to mind is how useful it is as a counterbalance against people's motivation, that, that people become too motivated and become, become uh, have tunnel vision and become blind to the, the effects of what they're doing. So people who are so motivated about what they're doing, you know, they, they engage in heroics, they engage in excessive overtime, they burn themselves and others out. And that's something that I think it's very easy for uh, skilled, well-intentioned, motivated people to fall into. Uh, especially in an environment that that rewards them, if you you know pull the all nighter and you get that done uh, for uh, uh, you know the 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 one time uh, death sentence, well then maybe a, a couple weeks later when it's time for a, a demo, you, you do the same thing, and then you you get praised for it, and pretty soon that what's what's being praised are these exceptional uh, acts of heroism, uh, but ignoring then the people who are sort of steadily delivering day by day. And it seems more heroic for someone who uh, does a, an all-nighter to, to to fix some bug, but the person who you know calmly never introduced the bug in the first place gets no recognition. Yep, we're back to normalization of deviance. Yeah, absolutely. And it and it gets even worse if you do all the other really good principles that we've been talking about. So just to take one, if you're looking at working software as a measure of progress, hey, that person who pulled the all-nighter produced twice as much working software as the person who worked nine to five and went home and had a good rest. So hallelujah, we're getting more working software. Isn't that fantastic? That, that, that's right. And, and I think you, you can end up, not, it's not just about hours, of course, it's also about trade-offs that people make. Uh, people will say, well, it's, uh, I can, I can do, uh, take on technical debt here, or I can do feature funding there. I can, I can make trade-offs against the future that help the business in the short term. Um, but they're they're not. Hey, hey, I know a way to go faster, Jeffrey. Let's not write any tests. Yeah, well, that's a that's certainly a classic one. Or let's not bother with the build script. Let's just go compile it manually. Let's not do a deployment script. Let's deploy it manually, and you know, you know that'll be the fastest thing we can do today. Uh, but it, it you know in, in a it, in a week or a month that that's going to catch up with us. And uh, it, exactly. And this so this this counterbalance of uh, of, of sustainable pace. Are we going to have a constant pace indefinitely? Is a very high bar, but it, it encourages us to reflect on what we're doing to say whether what we're doing is is making the right trade offs. Um, and, and and I think that's very useful because uh, motivated people can otherwise tend to fall into this short term view. 
Exactly. And especially if we go back to that sports analogy, if we're back to the football match or the sprinter or somebody like that who's uh, trying to get the best possible performance, we have all these reinforcements in our culture about no pain, no gain, and uh, one more inch and all of these kinds of ideas. You, you had an interesting idea, Jeffrey, about we're not by any sense sports psychologists or sports coaches, but we have a sense of how people actually do these uh, high performance uh, training activities. Uh, what's your view well, on that? I think we're, one of the things we talked about it's the, the difference between trying to you know l do your your heaviest weight in one attempt, you know your single single rep maximum, you know that you're trying to do in a, in a moment of uh, peak performance, and how that's uh, that's very different than. Uh, what you're so if your if your goal is like to do a one time lift the heaviest weight, then you know you'll often go to a point of failure and recover, uh, with a huge amount of emphasis on recovery, but that's very different than if your goal was just to lift the most weight over time, you know. Or, or for example, if you have a pile of rocks and you want to move them from point A to point B, the best method would not be to grab the heaviest rock and lift it as heroically as you possibly could, and then drop it and fall over. <laughs> that's that's right. I mean, it made me wonder. We were, we were talking about this just now. Whether in the in the course of a, of a of a day in a gym, you know, who who lifts the most weight? Is it the weightlifter comes in and and does you know a few heavy reps, or the or the person who's you know sort of a staff at the gym who's putting everything taking it off the, off the, the weight machines and putting it back on the racks. That person Absolutely. You know, is lifting a lighter amount of weight every time, but they're doing it all day long. And, I, and that's the question is, what is it, what's, the, what's the performance we're trying to have and therefore what are we maximizing for? And I think for, for most software projects that I've been part of and most software, I say companies and teams, there is this long-term aspect that's going to dominate what we might do in, in an exceptional circumstance. And I think that's the question I have is, you know, we, we, we're going to turn around to people and use the sports psychology and try to get them pumped up and say, you know, look, you know, give maximum output. But as a, as a manager, as a team, how much effort are we really putting into long-term effectiveness? Are we measuring our long-term effectiveness? Are we trying to put effort into this recovery phase? Like how do we make sure people are ready for a, a, the best effort? You know, are we are we making sure they get a good night's sleep? Are we looking at their nutrition? <laughs> you know, if you if you're going to try try treating employees as performance athletes, are you acting as a professional manager of an, an, uh, of performance athletes? Do you have the right environment and the right support? Because um, I, I, I I do think the idea of increasing our capacity, becoming higher performing, is fully within the spirit of this principle. And as we were Absolutely. looking ahead, it, beyond that, it's it's. All of the remaining principles that we're going to talk about speak to improving long-term performance. They're almost all the rest of the ones. If people want to look ahead, are all about kind of this counterbalance and making sure that you're also getting high quality, high performance, and other things while you're focused on customer delivery. So there's a nice balance there between the first half or so of the principles and the second half, which we're now getting into. Yeah, and I think right starting right off with our very next one. Indeed. Principle nine is continuous attention to technical excellence and good design. So that's another way to get very high performance. And I'm imagining that uh, we'll certainly have lots to say about that one next time. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Please do send us your comments, questions, and stories. We've really enjoyed getting those, including a, a relevant question this week about constant performance. So we really appreciated that kind of inspiration. Uh, it, we also hear that reviews on iTunes are the best way to get more folks listening, which is a measure of success for us and, and our long-term performance. So if you would be willing to leave us a real quick uh, review there on iTunes, we'd sure appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you, Squirrel. Thanks, Jeffrey. <laughs>